Well, if you have been here for the last few weeks, you know that we are in the middle of a series called Hostage. And we are taking some time to look at those issues, those topics um, that, that put us in a cage, that keep us from living a full life. And we've already talked about how addiction, when you're addicted to something, you really are a slave, you are, you're, you're entrapped, or how others deal with bitterness. You can go through life just with this, this bitterness inside of you, and it keeps you from enjoying and experiencing what God has intended for your life. And uh, this Sunday, we are going to talk about worry. And uh, worry, you know, every one of us has worried at some point. Anybody in here never worried? Yeah. But worry, you know, I don't think sometimes we fully realize how powerful worry can be and how much it can literally just day in and day out. I mean, you, you experience the fullness of what it means to be entrapped by worry. Whenever your mind is focused out on things that you have no control over. Because really, that's what worry is all about. I mean, worry is when your mind is completely focused, not just focused, but consumed by things that you have no power over. You can't do anything. And so if you're wondering, well, do, am I worried or am I just concerned or, you know, well, you'll know if you're worried or not. Because first of all, there are some physical um, effects that happen when you are living life and you've got something that's, that's worrying you. Uh, Dr. Suzanne Gaddis describes it this way. She said, chemicals released during extended periods of worry wreak havoc on our physical being. With symptoms ranging from headaches to high blood pressure, chronic worriers are prone to heart conditions and as a general rule are not too much fun to be around. So if people don't want to be around you, it could be that you are a worrier. But the reality is, is that there are these physical effects that happen. Other studies have shown that, that people who are, are worriers and are consumed by worry, they, they get sick more often. And it's a, it's a very physical thing because your body, when you're worried about something, your body's gearing up. It's like, okay, we've got to fight a battle. There's something that needs to be done. And so it's prepping and it's releasing cortisone. And that cortisone then begins to attack your immune system. And, of course, there's no fight to be fought because you're not doing anything. Instead, your mind is just being consumed with things that you have no control over. Not only does it affect us physically, but obviously, worry at its very heart is a mental thing. And one thing it does is it displaces you from where you're currently at. And what I mean by that is that worry pushes you forward into the future, dealing with obstacles that have not even come your way yet. Things that you have no power over, no control over. Or else, <coughs> worry will push you from where you're currently at in the present back to the past. And what you'll find is that your mind begins to drift to things that you have done in the past or decisions that you've made that you regret, that you wish you could go back and change. That if you could, could, could go back, you would change. But of course, you can't. But yet, the mind goes and does what it does. One woman who had heard a message on, on worry decided that she was going to find out what it was that she worried about and how legitimate it was to worry about things. And so literally for six months, she just journaled whatever she worried about, whatever her mind was, was focused on. And what she found is that 40% of the things that she worried about never happened. 30% were those things in the past, regrets, 
that she found her, her mind drifting to. 12% were, were other people's opinions of her and, and what was going on in her life. 10% of them were, were uh, she called needless health worries and issues that, again, never came to fruition. And then 8% of them were what she, conter- what she called legitimate issues because, you know, life has things that you, you know, struggles and whatnot. And so if you just take what she did in her little study, 92% of the things that we worry about are pointless. But I tell you, I would go and take it the other 8% and say that, that we should be worried about nothing. And I can confidently say this because that's what Jesus said. In fact, Jesus, in Matthew chapter 6, puts one of the, the all-time most famous passages of worry. And uh, right now, our officers are going to come by with a Bible. If you do not have a Bible, I, just, I want you to raise your hand right now. They will put a Bible in your hands. If you don't have one, take it home. It is a free gift from LifePoint to you. There are pens on the side of the aisles. Grab a pen because you want to be underlining. Mark your Bible up. And especially the passage we're doing today is very valuable. In fact, it is. my wife was reminding me that this is the, the first passage that I ever preached on. And not only that, but this passage contains my favorite verse in the Bible. It's the one that's come, become my personal mission statement. So it's good stuff. You're definitely going to want to take some notes. Now Jesus has gathered his disciples together, and he's on this mountain, and he begins to teach his most famous teaching in Matthew 5 through 6. It's called the Sermon on the Mount. And in the middle of this, his greatest teaching of all time, he tackles the issue of worry. And so he says to the crowd that is gathered, Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more important than food, and the body more important than clothes? Jesus makes the first observation. Isn't life more than just the basics? And if you say, what does it mean to really live life? Isn't it more than just being concerned about your job or about the next test that you've got to face, uh, you know, that your teachers are pressing down on you about? Isn't it more than, than those just mundane things? But yet, how much of your time, how much of your focus and your attention and your mental thought goes into being concerned about your job or how much money you're going to have or, or what kind of clothes you're going to be wearing or what kind of car you're going to drive? That's what we do. And suddenly we end our lives and we go, what were we spending our lives on? It's only in the midst of, of reflecting back that we realize that we wasted our time. Right? That's one observation from what Jesus said. But do you notice the most important thing? It's the very first thing. Jesus says, therefore I tell you, do not worry. Jesus commands us not to worry. Well, how can that be? I mean, really, can you control that? Can you control, can you just say, oh, I'm not going to worry about anything. I mean, isn't worry a byproduct of the fact that you got circumstances and difficult things in your life? And so I guess, you know, do not worry. You'd have, you'd have to like remove all these problems and these issues. But yet Jesus says, do not worry, as though you can just flip this thing off. 
You know, if I said, hey, today we're going to do something a little different. We're going to exit out this, this door instead of the back one. Well, you could do that. But what if I said, hey, next Sunday I want you guys all to come back here and I want everybody to have grown a half inch. Now, you couldn't do that, at least if we're talking about the height one, except for maybe a few in this crowd. They could probably pull off a half inch in a week. But that's, it feels like that, right? But that's the beautiful thing, is that Jesus commands us to do it. So that means it is in our power. We can overcome worry. And if it is in our power to overcome worry, what would your life be like for the rest of this day, for the rest of this week, if for this week you could put all of your worries aside? Like you just, you had nothing to worry about. I mean, when people... When people are asked, you know, what, what, what's, your, you know what's your vision of, of, the, of the American dream? Or what, what would your, your hope for your life? All of it can kind of rest back to some form of not having to be, not having to worry anymore. To have a carefree life. I'd like to be wealthy and rich because then I could buy these things and I can control my environment so that I don't have to worry anymore. But I know that I'm secure. So I know I've got everything I need. But Jesus goes on and he, continue, and he lays out for us Three things that we can do. A process to removing worry from our life. And the first thing is, is to trust God. And so Jesus continues. And remember, he's up on this mountaintop. A bird flies by. Jesus says, look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns. And yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Who of you by worrying can add a single hour to your life? And why do you worry about clothes? See all these lilies that are growing up on this, this mountainside here? See how they grow? They don't labor. They don't spin. And yet I tell you that not even Solomon, the wealthiest man to ever live, and, and all of his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today, and then tomorrow it's thrown out into the fire, will he not much more clothe you O oh, you of little faith. I mean, the message here is very simple. You are more valuable to God than birds and grass. Do you believe that? I mean, that kind of makes sense, right? I mean, look at what God does. Those birds, they're not having to, to worry, you know, about, uh, about planning for the future. You know, their lives are pretty simple, you know. Hey, there's a bug, they go. Oh, there's a worm, you know. God provides on a daily basis the things that they need. And what about, what about the concerns that you have for just even, you know, having a good life? I mean, think about it. God, who is a creative God, just in the way that he has ordered nature, he does so in a way to make it beautiful, to take care of it. If he's doing that for grass, if he's concerned just about the beauty factor for the lawn, how much more is he concerned about the things that, that impact you, that are important to you? Well, I, I know that there's probably some poor sap who was drugged here by his wife this morning, and right now he's whispering to her, eh, what, what about the bird that gets hit by the windshield? You know? God, God concerned about the birds? What about that bird? Because I think I'm that bird, you know? Here's the truth. You know what? 
bad things can happen to you in your life. And I, I guess the, the worst of them would be that you would die. But I tell you what, if you go out and you trust in Jesus Christ and you get hit by a, a truck, life is pretty good for you. In fact, scriptures say that, that what is to come is so great that, that if we spend all day imagining what it is like, we wouldn't even come close. It is beyond our ability to imagine how good it is to be with him. And so, if that's the worst that can happen to you, then you're covered. But Jesus is teaching us here on a daily basis that we can trust God to take care of the things that, that we have, our needs. But the real question is, is what kind of God do you worship? Is your God a good God that loves you and cares about you? Or is your God a God that knows all the things that you've done and he's wanting to stick it to you? Or is your God who kind of sent this globe of spinning and has now checked out? And he's not going to come back till who knows when. And so it's all up to you to fend for yourself. You know, the Israelites, the, the nation that, that God loved and, and cherished, found themselves in captivity in Babylon. And so there was this prophet named Jeremiah, and God began to speak through him this message to his people who were in this, this state of captivity. And he said, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future. See, God has a plan for you. He hasn't just checked out. It's not just kind of whatever happens, happens. He has a plan for your life. Now, you're going to partner with him in this plan, and you're going to step out, and you're going to do some things and make some choices, and then he's going to help to guide you, and he's going to bring circumstances in your life, and there's going to be times that he's going to discipline you. But he has a plan. And it's not a plan to harm you. It's a plan to prosper you so that you have a better future, so that your day tomorrow is a better day, that your week tomorrow, your, your next week is a better week. And here's the other thing. We have to always remember that God is ultimately a father. He's a dad. He's a dad who, who is concerned and cares about you even more than your earthly father does. Jesus said this, Which of you, if his son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a snake? If you then, though you're evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? I mean, not all of us have had great fathers. Now, I, I, as a father, I love my kids. But there's times when I'm selfish. There's times when I put my needs before their own. Because I still have, I've got a sin nature in me. I got, just, I've got a flesh that wants what it wants. And sometimes I just I feed the flesh. And my kids suffer because of it. But yet I'm active in their life and I still provide for them and care about them. See, God says, I'm on that same plane as your earthly father. I can provide for you like your earthly father does. In fact, I can provide for you far better than your earthly father does. And so Jesus continues on. So do not worry, saying, what shall we eat? Or what shall we drink? Or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things. And your heavenly father knows that you need them. Now, we're not as familiar with pagans today, but a pagan is just somebody who doesn't believe in God or somebody who believes in, in gods that are not really gods. They worship stones or they worship themselves. And Jesus says, you always know the pagans 
because they're like little bees. They're just buzzing from here to there. They're just chasing the things that they need, things that, they, that, that your Heavenly Father knows that you need, and that is what their life is consumed with. And he says, I don't want your life consumed with those things because I know that you need them, and I've got far greater, far more important things for you to be thinking about. The first part of removing worry from your life is to trust God and then just do not worry. Whatever it is that you have been thinking about, whatever it is that is, is consuming you, stop thinking about it. Right? That's, that's good, but that kind of leaves us with a problem. Because like, what are you going to think about now that you've removed that thing that you're thinking about? I mean, the mind just kind of, it likes to move. It can, you know. If I tell you right now, do not think about a pink elephant. How many of you think about pink elephant? Well, don't lie. Let's see if we get some hands here. Okay, really do a good job. Just, just right now, put it out. Don't think about a pink elephant. Do you remember what I told you not to think about? Right, there you, you did it again, pink elephant. See, the problem is, is that it's not good enough to just remove the things that we're currently worried about. We've got to fill it with something else. And Jesus says, I want you to fill it with my kingdom and my righteousness. He says in Matthew 6.33, my favorite Bible passage of all time, underline this one. Make it your life mission statement. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all of these things will be given to you as well. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and then all these other things are going to be added to you. But what is his kingdom? If you're seeking first his kingdom, that means you are engaged with the advancement of, of his word and what he came on. He came to this world to preach a gospel, good news, that he can bring salvation, that he, he lives, he, he's the only one who's the source of life. And he says, go and take that message outward. Now, last week, we had life point in action. Were you a part of life point in action? That's our church in action, doing things for the community, helping out the homeless. Was your mind and your body engaged in that? How about this? Are you in a life group? Or really, the more important question is, are you in a life group with other people so that you can serve them? Are you in a life group because you think it's something that will benefit you? It will benefit you. But when you come to life group, are you thinking, how can I invest in these people? How can I help to remove the obstacles and the things that they're concerned about? Maybe your neighbor, maybe a coworker. Are you serving? Did, were you a part of helping to put together all of this? I mean, this stage didn't just pop up by itself. There are people who got here at 6.30 in the morning and were setting this up. There are, you guys are, many of you are sitting here and it's kind of quiet in here because your kids aren't here because somebody's watching them over there. Have you ever gone over there and, and helped watch kids? We've got people right now who are teaching them God's word over in Fam Jam. Find a place to serve. And you will find that your mind starts to be filled with other things. The things that God wants you to have it filled with. And I'll tell you this. You know, when it comes to serving and that kind of thing, I, you know, I'm always, like, I don't know if I'd be a really good, you know, pyramid-type marketer. 
Because you know, you, you know how those are. You have to go and go to your friends and, and whatnot. And I'm always, I have such a hard time with that because I'm always kind of concerned, hey, does, does my friend think that I'm their friend now because I'm trying to sell them something or whatever? But I tell you, I have no problems inviting you to step in and serve. Because I know that this is so instrument. It's like medicine for removing all those other things that you're worried about. Your quality of life will just skyrocket as you start to invest in other people. And it's not just about the kingdom, but it's also about righteousness, doing right things, making sure that your life aligns with who Jesus is and what he taught. And that means that you're going to be spending some time with him. You're going to be digging into his word. And you're not sure how to do that, you're going to go and ask somebody. You're going to spend some time talking to him. Fancy word for that is prayer, but it's really just talking to him. And if you end up in some kind of fancy talk, then it doesn't really sound like a conversation you'd have with somebody else, then you're probably not doing it right. You know, I heard a, a statistic here just lately that they said Americans spend about three to four hours a day watching TV, which basically comes out to two months. Two months out of every one of our years, we spend 24-7 watching TV. I was like, ah, that ain't the case. And I started just looking at my own home life and what my wife and I do when we drop, put the kids to bed at 8 o'clock. I, I was a little scary. And then I started thinking how much time I spend in God's Word during the week. And I realized which one dwarfs the other one. And then you start to have to ask yourself, well, if that's the case, who am I really a disciple of? And Jesus' disciples, they followed him around, they learned from him. If we're going to do this, we've got to have our mind engaged in finding out how he taught us to live in this world. Because that's what he's doing, is he's saying, hey, people think they know this world, but my God, my, my Father created it. And he's got a way that you can function in it. And it's kind of contrary to the way it is in the culture. But it's the right way. And when you start getting on that train track, you're going to experience a whole new life. But what about this last part here? Okay, if you're focused on kingdom and righteousness, what's all these things will be given to you as well? You know, there's a lot of passages out there that you can say, hey, you know, someday you're going to be in heaven someday. You say, okay, I can believe that. That's right. You know? and, and you know, you can kind of get by with that because... You know, there's not too many people who have recently, you know, been to heaven and come back and they're sitting here telling us about it, right? But this is some very practical. All these things means that, hey, all these worries that you're concerned about, these physical needs, these very real stuff that you're facing, you know, you've got to have a job, you've got a mortgage, you've got all that stuff. He's saying, you focus first on my things. Those are the things that I'm going to begin to take care of. Is that really what he meant? First thing Jesus does when he gets his disciples together, he's going to be spending the next three years with these guys, investing in them. He gives them a very quick crash course, what it means to be a disciple. And he says, okay, we're going on a field trip here, but I'm not coming with you. Right? You're going to go out. I told you a little bit how it works. Now go out and teach people the good news. And then he gave them some instructions. Take nothing for the journey. No staff, no bag, no bread, no money, no extra tunic. Whatever house you enter, stay there until you leave that town. Now guys, does this make any sense at all? Brand new disciples, they're going out there. This hasn't been seated. Nobody's waiting for them when they get there to these towns. Don't you think it'd be wise to bring some extra bread along? 
Maybe a little money. I mean, that's just kind of the prudent thing to do, right? But no, all they're given is a single-minded mission, a focus to go out there and to preach his word and to trust. And when they finally came back, they had this rich harvest of experiences that they had. Somehow, without planning ahead, God provided at every place that they went the kind of food that they needed. They didn't have an extra tunic. They didn't have extra sandals. If they needed that stuff, somehow it was provided. It just came out of the woodworks one way or another. And down the road until all the things that they had been provided for. You know, God has blessed me with, with two little girls. And then he decided to cap it off with a little boy. And I've had so much fun because little boys are so different than little girls. And for one thing, little boys, they can play catch for hours. It's endless. It's like watching that ball go back and forth. And I've enjoyed this because I'm a boy, and so I can do that. You know, it's like playing fetch with a dog almost, you know. <laughs> and the thing is, is that we've got this little ball, and I'm trying to get him to catch. And every time, it's like he's, just, he's not really quite caught on yet. And part of the problem is that he can catch, but he doesn't want to just catch the ball. He wants a diving, sliding, twisting catch. And so we'll say, Augie, listen, you've got to catch this ball, all right? Now, throw, keep your eye on the ball. Watch it all the way into your hand. I throw that ball. And I, he's looking at me. I said, no, no, no. Look at the ball, and I put the ball out here so he's not looking at me. I throw the ball over there. And, you know, that's how you do this. And the same thing if you're trying to hit a baseball, right? You, you've got to watch that ball all the way to the bat. When we look on ESPN, you see those guys, and they have those majestic grabs where they're all like that. Well, you realize that they're not saying, hey, I wonder what kind of form I'm going to use on the dive this time. You know, oh, here's a little fly ball. I better, like, get a little slow start so I can dive, you know. No, they dive because they are 100% focused on that ball to the point that they reach out like this, and every muscle and every tendon stretches just to the right point so they can get everything they can. Yeah, it looks like a beautiful thing. But really, the beauty is the focus. And see, that's what is needed. Is we've got to be focused, filling our minds with the right thing, and then we have to be focused on today. You've got to have that component in there. Jesus said, as he was closing it out, Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow. The third command not to worry. Do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Isn't that the truth? I mean, come on, really. Doesn't, doesn't each day kind of have enough trouble of its own? Let's, let's not tomorrow worry about tomorrow. You see, what this is saying here is that we have to be engaged in where we're at. You know, those birds that, that Jesus is somehow feeding, that God feeds, I mean, the, the bird doesn't just like sit there on the perch and wait for something to drop into its mouth, Okay? It may not be planning ahead and worrying about its future, but it's busy. I mean, the bird is out there like over here, you know, there's a bug, there's a, there's a worm. I mean, it's, it's constantly in movement, constantly looking for things. And then in the moment, in the day, God provides something for that bird. You know, Solomon, when he was training his son, Solomon was the wisest man that ever lived. He said, whatever your hand finds to do, do it with all your might. Be fully engaged in the moment where you're at. But instead, we find ourselves worried about the past. Well, you know, I can't do this stuff because this happened, and you know, if I only would have done this, my life would be different right now. 
Well, no, you know what? Your life is where it's at right now. So put the past behind itself. Oh, what's going to happen next week? I just hope I don't get a pink slip. Oh, oh what about this test? I mean, I, I don't know if I'm going to be able to pass it. I don't. What's going to You don't have control over that. And in fact, what happens is, is that the only thing that you do have control over is the current moment. And if you're not in the moment, you're not going to be able to take advantage of it. In fact, most of the time, the struggles and the issues we have could be solved if we only were just fully where we were supposed to be. I mean, I can't tell you how many countless times I've, had, I've been talking to somebody, having a conversation, and I've only been there maybe like, like I'm only like 20% engaged in that conversation. Because 80% is thinking about what i got to do the rest of the day, the, the other tasks I have. How many times has God brought somebody in my life? They knocked on my door, or I was sitting in a coffee house, and they came up and wanted to talk. How many times did that happen, that God wanted me focused on that conversation, that he was bringing that entire circumstance together for a particular purpose, for one that I was meant to totally fulfill? He says, hey, these, I, I've got these good works i got planned for you. That was one of the good works. And I just blew it. Because I wasn't engaged. Because I was thinking about something else. Or how about a job? You're out there, you know, oh, I'm worried I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get fired. Well, worrying about getting fired is going to help you out. But doing your job today just might. If we want to put worry behind us for good and be done with this stuff, there are four questions that we have to ask ourselves. These will get you started here. First question, what am I worried about? See, a lot of times we don't even know. We know our body's feeling like it's got to go someplace and there's no place to go, but we haven't really thought through. So it's a very simple thing. It's just for the rest of this day or for the rest of this week, take a little journal and just write down what your mind has been thinking about. You drive someplace, say, hey, during that drive, what did I think about? And write it down. And suddenly you're going to have a list of the things that you are worried about. Next question. What could a good God be doing here? Not the absent God. Not the God who wants to stick it to you. I'm talking about a good God. A God that has a plan for your life. Well, you're worried about maybe losing a job. Well, a good God is going to, he's going to take care of you. He's going to provide for you. He knows the things that are needed. So maybe you're not going to even lose your job. So start to work through that scenario. Oh, good God, he's got me taken care of. You know, I'm not going to lose this job. I'm going I'm to be in there, okay? Well, let's just run a, a little bit. Let's run a worst-case scenario. You're going to lose your job, right? <gasps> How am I going to pay the mortgage? What's going to happen here? Oh, my, you know. Well, maybe a good God has a, has a good plan for you. Maybe you're going to end up in a, in a job a year from now, two years from now, that you would have never been in had you stayed in that current job. And not something that you love and you enjoy and you're just like, wow, this is amazing, this is wonderful. But you didn't step into it. You've got to realize that God is good. You know, I'll tell you what, I've got, got a first-hand story for this one. My wife, she's been out of work. And we've been running through different scenarios, wondering what's going to happen. And it's been like this cloud has been over our home for the last eight or nine months. And I know there's a lot of you that can... You know, you, you can sympathize with that. You, you've been in that same spot. And, you know, when we talk about it, we're like, oh, you know, she's like, well, I'm just worried that, you know, am I going to find a job? And then if I do find the job, what's going to happen with Augie? You're going to go in daycare and so it's all this change. And, and, you know, we started thinking about this. What if we had never worried? What if, if somehow, you know, somebody had said, hey, 
You're, we're just going to, you know, God says, I'm going to give you six months off. I don't want you to look for a job. Don't even think about that stuff. Just enjoy life. Enjoy being at home. Enjoy your son. Just, you know. Well, the end result is the same, right? I mean, we've been out of work this whole time. But the kind of life experience, suddenly life wouldn't have had a cloud. We would have been fully in the moment enjoying that time. And who knows if really a good God actually allowed or even thwarted some of those job opportunities that were just on the cusp because he has a bigger plan and he wanted Augie to have some one-on-one time with mom. Maybe that's what a good God had in store. Maybe because he can see farther than I can see. That was, that's what he has in store. But you've got to be to a point where you can trust a good God to be able to say those things. What should I be focused on? You, know, you, you can't change the fact that you may get laid off next week, but you can work hard at your job today. You can decide to live on a budget and live within your means today. You can make those choices. You can't control what's going to happen to your kids, what kind of decisions they're going to make, but you can love them today and you can be an example for them today. You can pray for them today. Allow God to handle the things that only God can do. And just focus your attention on the things that he has put before you. And finally, what do I need to do today? What is that thing? Who is that person? Where is that place? This is a very simple formula. And if we follow this, we can live life tomorrow like like no other experience we've ever had. I mean, you will feel it come off of you like a weight or like a door of a cage opening up and you'll feel yourself stepping through and you're like, yeah, I think I'm putting this stuff away and then it'll start to come back again and then you're going, oh, no, no, good God's going to take care of this. But what I got to focus on today, where should my mind be, what I got to do right now? And it'll become an exercise that changes your life.